Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. In my lifetime, all the good things he uh, led me to experience, I want to thank him for the good spiritual song service he blessed me to hear tonight. And I want to thank then the Lord specifically for this church and for what it strives to do. Uh, I'm grateful that God has given some energetic young people this assembly. I'm grateful that it tries to see after them and loves them. I thank God for that. And my voice is partly from age and partly from other causes. You'll have to bear with that. Oh. Uh, I want to thank uh, God for just the, for the zeal generally of this assembly. Uh, I want to thank God for uh, the young people specifically that goes out occasionally at least and 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 sees about old people. That's the most godly, one of the most godly things on earth, as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I just thank the Lord for that. Uh, Sister Effie Walker's daughters was out at her funeral, was thanking God for the young people of this church had come and visited their mother. Now, if I just sat down and went home, and you take heed to that, it'd be real good. And you could praise God for that effort. They, they didn't say much about my funeral remarks. They didn't say much about the past of the church, although they loved him. But, but their rejoicing was that, that someone thought of their mother. Why? when she needed them. And I, I thank God for that. Uh, I thank God for this assembly that continues on to being faithful to the camp. Uh, I thank God for that. Uh, I thank God for Sister Judy. Uh, preacher's wife won't get much bragging on, but I thank God for her. Uh, I've got a little tape down home I mean to make a, get a copy of that that where she's saying it for the children, I thank God for that. Uh, I just don't, I have much patience with the church and no outreach, so I just, I'm just thanking God for you and, and uh, bragging on you in the Lord. What I want to talk about tonight uh, is, is rising to God's level of thought. Rising to God's level of thought. Uh, if you will turn to, to, to Philippians chapter 2, uh, we'll consider a verse in there. What I want to talk this sudden tonight is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is a real important subject. Uh, out of this, when I don't do what I'm going to talk about tonight, involves all of my troubles. All my heartaches, all my backsets in life. If you're here tonight and with a problem that you're trying to overcome, I'll tell you the basis of how to get started. I just told it there to you. Rising to God's level of thought. There's not but two trains of thought that I know anything about that you can go along with. It's just a, 
the natural old sinful thinking, the kind you was born with, or the kind that God produces in you through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so, this is just going to kind of be a... <clears throat> well, I'll probably talk about an hour if I have to make something up. I hope I wouldn't lie or anything like that. Uh, but I hope I can say some things that cause you to think. I'm telling you right now, if you have any problems in your spiritual life, uh, it's, it's revolving around that statement that I've already made. you just refusing to rise the level of God's thinking. So, if you're not on his level, then you're somewhere under that. You and the devil have a big time. Uh, if you're happy tonight and growing in grace and in the knowledge of the truth, that this meeting has been wonderful to you, if you made some notes that you intend to go back and look over and really glean from, then I'd say that you were rising to God's level of fault. Oh, uh, I believe before I try to go any further than that, uh, that we need to get before us again. I feel like some of you are tired tonight and you've heard a lot of preaching. Uh, but what I've heard the preachers pray about and others, and what Brother Guest has said is, is exactly what I like to hear said, and I, I really thank the Lord for trying to be sincere, trying to be real, realist uh, in the service of God. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse uh, 3, uh, Moses said, uh, Hear, O Israel, and observe to do it. And then in the next verse, verse 4, he said, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, he said. Now, in those two verses, I only stress the word here. The word here there means to take notice, it means to remember. Uh, it means to guard and keep and protect and cooperate into your life what you hear. If you don't do that, then you come to church to be entertained. And if the preacher don't want to do like Moses done, he's an entertainer and you're the entertainee. And we just both sin against God. That's all he is to that. I mean that. Jesus Christ said... If you're going to rise up to where we've got to be tonight, you've got to start in this. There's no question in my mind about that. Jesus Christ said in uh, St. John chapter 3, verse 3, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What I stress in that verse is verily, verily. It's the same thought that Moses had. Nicodemus, I want you to hear. I want you to get this point. I'm, I'm just not having a conversation with you to be having one. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 4, uh, Jesus said, Hearken, behold, a sore went forth to sow. And then he develops his parable. All three of those instances is saying uh, that that when, when God is speaking 
or when God is speaking himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is not an entertainer before entertainees. He, he wants it to be heard. He wants it to be incorporated in their, in, their, in their lives. Hear, O Israel, and observe to do it. Well, now, tonight, if I don't have that kind of thinking in my mind, I am an entertainer only to be uh, just, just to commit a sin before God. And if that feeling is not in your mind towards what I say, uh, uh, then you are an entertainee, and all you've done is to come to sin before God tonight, to be entertained by whoever might stand before us. Now, I'm not interested in that myself. I I, I that out a good long time ago in my life. There's absolutely N-O-T-H-I-N-G, nothing to that. So... Uh, I'm interested in you trying to follow along, and I'm interested in trying to live what I'm talking about tonight. Rising to God's level of thought. Now, the first thing we'll consider is uh, that I'm not talking about rising to God, or about the, the me rising to God, a level of thought uh, in, in the same degree that God thinks. It's, it's, I'm not talking about that. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 7 and 8, while uh, there God speaks through Isaiah and, and he tells me that, that, that God's thoughts are not my thoughts, God's ways are not my ways, and is, is the heaven is higher than the earth, is, is God's thoughts higher than my thoughts and his ways higher than my ways. So I know that I, I'm not talking about the same degree I am talking about the same quality. I am talking about the same kind of thinking uh, that would be produced through the Holy Spirit of God. In in Romans uh, chapter 11 and verse 34, uh, Paul is wanting to know who can know the mind of God, who's been his counselor. Well, that's not telling me that I cannot know anything about the mind of God. That's telling me that before the world was, that God is doing some thinking then. And, and that before he ever made a man, and he said, who was it back in there to give him any counsel? Uh, to have him in his plan? To work out how that he's going to save his people? Who could know the mind of God in that when there wasn't even anyone around? That's what that's telling about. But now, God has been pleased in His love and mercy to condescend or come down and talk to us and bless men to write. And it's on that level that I can understand if I'm His child, if I want to. And there's victory in every life that'll do it. There is no N-O, both of them capital. There is no victory in your life without raising up to God's level of thinking in that area that he's come to talk to us. And these men have written it down. But you don't have to do it. You can stay in the primary grade if you want to. And you can die a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian, or well, you can die as a carnal child of God. 
Let's ask that Christian now <clears throat> on that statement. You can die as a carnal child of God. That is, God coming into your life and you being lazy and just go to be entertained, never grow in grace and the knowledge of the truth. And under every circumstance, when trials come, uh, you act like a person that's not been born again. Well, the reason any child of God has ever acted that way is because that they had not risen to God's level of thinking. You believe that, don't you, sister? You said amen then. <clears throat> you remember that now? I've never known of a circumstance in my life or anyone else's life or any church life that I've been, been around but what, when there was faltering, when there was heartaches, when there was going backwards, when there was hard feelings, all of that developed and, and materialized and come to maturity under this being unwilling to rise to what God had said and think like God. Okay, we know now what we're talking about. I didn't want anyone to say that, that Brother Wally said that I could that, it, that, it, that, it, that I could think like God to the same degree. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, friends, if he puts this in here and I can't understand it, he's sure a foolish God. I'll say that for him. What I want to, what I want to consider now as we go along is we'll center, we'll, we'll consider the, the command that tells us to rise to this kind of a level. We'll consider that command. We'll consider how we are to rise to this great level and why we should do it and the benefit thereof. And I won't take long to do that, but I'd, I'd like to discuss a little bit each one of those things. And, and what I'm going to talk about tonight can be, be talked about in other ways, under other headings. There'll be a lot more scripture to use than there is that I will use. So after my sermon tonight, don't come up to me and say, well, I wish you to use so-and-so. You use that when you preach or when you talk to someone. I just use two or three as, as, as I go along. So the first thing now, I mean, the next thing we'll do is to consider the command uh, that I am to rise upon this level. That'll be found in Philippians 2.5. <clears throat> you see if you don't think it says that. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what that said? That I'm to rise up to the way he thought? And would I be foolish to say that he didn't think like God when he was God? So if Jesus Christ was God, then he thought like God and this book here tells me for me to rise upon the level of his thinking. Wasn't that right, Brother Bobby? I'd be right in that, wouldn't I? So, if you've got any problems tonight now, uh, there's a lot of things that I couldn't tell you. I'm no counselor. I'd be the first man in the world to know how to counsel you. But I'm going to tell you the cornerstone that you have to start from. I don't care who you go to see and how many times you go and how long you stay. You'll never be benefited until you become willing for you 
from your own being, if you're born again, to rise upon God's level of thinking. That's important. Oh, that's important. I'd like to have a blackboard and write that when you got to spell it. Not underline it. There's no, there's no individual life, whether it be young or old or middle-aged, can be defeated by Satan if they have this in their life and they're growing and they've, they've gained the benefit of the Word of the Lord and what it means. There's no church but what will turn the city upside down that lives under this roof, whether it have three members or three thousand or ten thousand. Three would be just as powerful as 3,000, and as far as, as, as their means would let them go, and their determination to go out and serve God. But I don't care if you had 50,000. If they didn't know anything about this, they wouldn't stay together long because their carnal thinking would tear them asunder. It's important, friends. So it says... Let this mind be in you. So I want to talk, I want to read off. I have that row down here. Four, five, or six things, what that meant. Just this, just mind be in. Mind be in, of course, you add the you to it. But what's that saying? That's saying the same thing that Moses said, and I already told you. It says the same thing that Jesus said in those previous verses that I said to you. It's saying the same thing that ever conscientious man has said if he wanted his hearers to really get the point that he was talking to them about and to go home and live it and then cooperate it into their lives. <clears throat> Friends, listen. The ones of you that have attended this meeting will say that you are now... 30-year-old, and we'll say that you live to be 80-year-old, if you've made notes, and if you've listened, and you've made some scribbles in your Bible, and you never are blessed to hear another sermon, nor attend another meeting, you will not go down as a defeated child of God. But if all this kind of meeting don't do you no good, then if you went to church every morning, you still wouldn't be nothing but a carnal child of God. You'd just be in it for the entertaining business. I believe that. So what this is saying here in this mind in you, it's saying to understand. Understand the mind of Christ. For his mind to be in me is for me to understand the mind of Christ. It didn't say to learn to quote some scriptures. That's good. It didn't say learn the New Testament by heart or by memory. That's good. It didn't say go around and telling everyone how many verses that you had memorized. That would be all right. But the command is, is let Christ's mind be in you. That is, understand how He thought and yield your life to it. 
Would that solve our problem? Many of them. So it means to understand, and then it means to be wise. You know, Christ said, Be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. You know, Christ was a wise man. It means to understand, it means to be wise. It means to seek. It means to seek after the mind of Christ. It means to strive after the mind of Christ. It means to think. Think like Christ. It means to be reflective upon what we've understood Christ to say and upon what Christ done. It means to reflect upon that and then imitate that in my life. If I, if I memorize the four Gospels and that's where we get the life of Christ, if I memorize every verse that has something to say about what he done, if I wasn't willing to try to do that myself that he'd call upon me to do, you tell me what good he would do. Knowledge unused is equal to having no knowledge. Faith unused is equal to having no faith. The Bible says it's dead. That just means it's not worth anything. You remember that. Christ proved who he was not by what he said. That is good. Because the Bible said that he spoke or spake like no man ever had spoken. It said that. But that's not the proof of the pudding. The proof is in what he done. So Christ proved who he was by, number one, what he said, but the greater number two is for what he done. Now he says, let that mind be in you that produced the most wonderful words that's ever been spoken on earth and done the most wonderful acts that man has ever beheld. Let that mind be in you. Reflect upon it. Friends, listen, I challenge you with this tonight. To produce me one verse, one verse in the Bible that has to do with the preacher entertaining you. I just challenge you to bring me one. I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you something. I really believe what I'm fixing to say now. I do not believe that Jesus Christ preached one discourse in the three years of his ministry like you know preaching in the day that you lived. Jesus Christ got out the knitting, so to speak. And his every endeavor was that his hearers understand what he said. In our day, it's getting better now, but it's still too much of it, is when we hear a sermon, we wear it out with two remarks. That either was a big one or we don't say nothing because we went to sleep during it. Either good or bad. But Jesus Christ wants these prayers answered that we've heard tonight. He wants his people moved. He wants them to be alert. He wants them to work. The Bible said about this person that I'm to have his mind, or let his mind be in me, that he went about doing good. 
He went about all the cities healing those that were sick. Jesus Christ was a busy man. If you, if you produce one verse in here, that just one, that tells the church of God to not be busy, I'll say at least I overlooked that when I read the Bible. And it cannot be busy in the right way without having the mind of Christ. Do you know, when I die, what I'd rather have said of me is anything? I can tell you tonight. I'd rather have it said of me that Brother Wallace was a good Samaritan preacher. I don't know some good Samaritans. Christ was a good Samaritan. When you read that good Samaritan story and, and that, uh, that uh, priest come pressing down through there, but this old man was dying almost, that was the preacher and the Levite, he is a deacon. They come, they had been up to preaching. They come down through there and they are so busy till they couldn't stop and help a dying man. I wouldn't give you a nickel for that kind of religion. Brother, when we get so busy that we cannot minister and we cannot, cannot exercise our compassion, we've lost the mind of Christ somewhere. But he ever know Samaritan. I don't know where he had been or where he was going. I doubt seriously if he had any tapes to listen to. I doubt seriously if he had any library. I doubt seriously if he had much of anything except some compassion and some love and some Christianity in him. And he stopped and got out of his little mule and gave that old dying man what he had that could help him. That's the mind of Christ. So, when I, when I get old and feeble and I can't drive anymore, God lets me live that long. Or if I get in the hospital, or if I have some bad, bad backset like, like Brother James Allen, just comes up on you, just out of the clear blue. Friends, what we need then is not a hurried preacher nor a deacon don't know what to do. We need some good Samaritan. That's got the mind of Christ. That's the best thing on earth. You know, in relation now to this mind being in us, what, what all of that meant, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, these 11 men specifically that Christ called and kept with them, they stated uh, four things that they'd done while they were with Christ. Now, before I read them, I want to ask you to do this for me sometime. When you read through the four Gospels, you notice how few instances are in Christ's life when he was doing something, performing something. You see how few instances that you see that he done that without his disciples. I'll say that 99 and three quarters of the things that Christ done after he called these eleven men with him, he had them around him when he performed that, that they might gain the lesson. Now then, there's four things here that these men said for themselves. In 1 John 1, 1, it said that they had heard him. You see, you'd have to hear the mind of Christ to 
have it in you, I would think, to some degree. I think more could be said about that. And it said that they had seen him in that birth. And then it said that they had looked upon him. And then it said that they had handled him. They had, they had paid close attention. But I'm telling you, friends, all the time they were doing that, they had a hard time learning Christ. And they asked some foolish question on the day of the resurrection after he went back. So I'm telling you tonight that rising to God's level, level of thought is a lifetime of the time that you're born again until you die, whether that be one year, fifty, seventy-five, or a hundred. It's in that span that you spend in learning how to rise up to God's way of thinking. I might think like him today and may be a total failure tomorrow. So it's not something that you graduate in and not have to put any more effort into it whatsoever. If there's anyone here with a problem tonight, let's just say there's someone here with a problem tonight that your problem is cursing, we'll say, or drinking whiskey or running after women or something of that kind of a nature. Well, we'll say that out of this meeting that God Almighty, you being his child and you've been overcome, and out of this meeting there's been things said that brought you up onto a level of God's thinking. Well, you need to think that you got it made because the devil will try to get you to get drunk next week and look up, look, look you up a woman, go to the motel with her, undress and sleep with her. Now, that'll, that'll sound ugly to all the people that's not upon the thank of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that every day that I've got to, I've got to be reflective upon things that, uh, that God has told me and how that, and then say, God, now, I know you said that, and, uh, but I'm just an old ignorant sinner. I, I know you say me, but I've had a hard time of, of getting that down on my level where I can get that into my life and live by it. Well, I'm telling you, friends, until you too, that scripture is null and void to you. That is, it has no meaning. I tell you, sometimes you've got to talk to God and have a long conversation with Him. And He may not give you much light that day, but then you've got to be willing to come back and talk with Him some more. Sooner or later, God will let you know exactly what He wanted you to know out of that scripture. Now, you, you will do it that way, for I don't care now what your problem is. And if you overcome it during this meeting, I say again, that problem will present itself to you again. Now, whether you overcome or not will all depend on whether you have the mind of Christ in you or rising to God's level of thought. I know that so. I know it's over the Bible, and I know it's over my experience. Well, I know some church people, friends, that was going to church when I met them, and still going to church. They just don't know nothing much about what I'm talking about. All they know is how to be entertained inside of four walls. That's all they know. I'm thankful that some of the young people that I've heard speak of the past of this church and other ministers, that they are requiring or doing the best they know how to get over their message to us. 
and coming back on Sunday night and talking about what was preached Sunday morning. Friend, for somewhere around, would you say, 18 years, that's be close, a little more than that, really. Uh, well, I'm just going to use 12 years. It's just probably about a 12-year span of my ministry, and I've been preaching a lot, a lot longer than that. But in a 12-year span, here's the way I live my ministry. I spent the week in preparing for a Sunday morning service. I'd study and I'd study and I'd study and I'd study. And I'd, and I'd get up on Sunday morning and I'd, I'd deliver that message. Well, the people would sit there. I'd entertain them. They'd sit there. Well, then I, we'd rush back home, my wife and myself, and we'd gobble through our lunch and I'd run back in my study and get up another sermon for that night and she'd lay down on the couch and get her rest. Well, I'd go back that night and I'd deliver another sermon. The people sat there and be entertained. And then I'd get back home on Sunday night and before I'd go to bed, I'd begin to be prayerful and meditated, meditative on what I was going to talk about on Wednesday night. That was just a vicious cycle. Nobody being developed. That's almost N-O-B-O-D-Y, underlying it. It wasn't designed for that. Nobody asked me anything after it's over, and I asked nobody. It was the same old thing. What that person was doing on it last week, they done the next week, over and over again. But the thing that would have made us all fighting mad would be to tell us that we couldn't go to church. Friends, going to church is not designed for entertainment. God Almighty designed it for you to know the mind of Christ to understand him, and to go out and live it in this cruel world. I ask you to show me one verse in the Bible where that God has ever told you the church or the kingdom would ever stop evil. What he's told you to do is to go out and live among evil as a child of God. That's called being a light that shines in darkness. You can't have it without what I'm talking about as a starter. You say, I might do it. No, you can't either. There ain't no conceivable way for you to have it. You got to, you got to rise to God's level of thought if you're a light that shines in darkness. You got to rise to God's level of, level of thought if you're the salt of the earth. You've got to rise to God's level of thought if you're a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. One time there's a man come through our country preach, and he was a highly intelligent man, and I thank God for him. He just walked in Bible. And some of the people that I passed went to hear him preach. You know what I heard? They said, you know, that man didn't have to bring his Bible in. But I never heard so much... The scripture quoting in my life, but then I asked, what did he preach about? And I embarrassed them everyone. They had no concept. All they was it was entertained by his intellectual abilities. Friends, that ain't what this is in the Bible for, my verse tonight. That'll never get you up on this plane where I'm talking about. That'll just feed your ego and say, oh boy, I'd like to be like that. I tell you again who I want to know when I'm down and out. It's some good Samaritans. 
And Brother Zach just thinks me to be his father in the ministry, and I'll say I'm 20 years older than he is. When I get to where I can't drive the message, just talk to him, and he won't come to Ripley. I'll figure he flunked the course, and all he was was a big entertainer among the people. You hear me? Well, let's consider now how that we rise. Now, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I'm just going to just say a scripture or two about that. I'm going to I'm going to read the ones that's found in Luke eleven twenty eight. Christ said what I'm fixing to read here. Luke eleven twenty eight, here's what Christ said. He said Yea, rather blessed are they that heareth the word of the Lord and keep it. Keep it is the stress that I, that I what, that's the word that I want to put the stress on. Keep it is to have this learn it. Be wise in its context. Be sure that you've understood it. It means to guard it and garrison about it. Get it into your life. Let it be incorporated to your everyday life. I don't care what subject it will be on. If salvation by grace is not incorporated into my life, all it is is just... I heard Brother Ray Harvard say this one time. I remember and I always will. He said that our theology could be just as straight as a gun barrel and just as empty. Well, that's what salvation by grace is when it don't set you on a blade to serve God. You've got straight theology and just as empty as a gun barrel. I have heard people tell me how much that they love election. And every time they heard it preach, it goes sound asleep. That's the first that had it in their head. They wanted to preach to prove that they was right and the whole world was wrong and say amen and go home. But that's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, if you understood it and understood what God has done for you and how much God has had to tolerate you, he imagine he saved you and how much you have to forgive you every day. That's the thing, that's the very foundation that puts a person up and energized as far as knowledge is concerned to serve the true and the living God. But if you hadn't up, if you're not up on that plane, it'll put you to sleep everlasting time you hear it. Yea, rather. This is how, how we begin to rise up. Uh, the, the, the verse is right above that is about a woman. She's a sentimentalist. And she's talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. What a blessed woman, uh, that was that that you have stuck her path, such as what he's saying. And Jesus is not a sentimentalist. He's not a crybaby. He's a realist. He's God. He's here working out my salvation. But then he just told that woman in a nice way, he hear what he said back to her. Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of the Lord and keep it. Friends, if I hear the word of the Lord, and I don't keep it, I just might as well not to hurt it. You remember it? Our sermons never meant much to me. I began to make some marks in my Bible and make a few notes. 
I was too ignorant to remember much of that. Now then we'll consider next. I'll say one thing, Ephesians 5.18, you'd have to have this in your life. Uh, Paul, uh, Jesus Christ said through Paul, uh, he said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. But there's a whole lot to be said about that. And if you're here tonight and you're not real sure what that means, just just about all I can say in simplicity is that you be real sure that you want God to help you. And say, God, I want you to help me today. And I'll just put myself now just as an old ignorant sinner, the best I know how, in your care. I remember a few passages of Scripture. And I remember the preacher said that I ought to be filled with the Spirit. And he said that that means just let you control me. So today, the best I know how, you control me. I won't go to the saloon. I just won't go down and be tempted. Won't be tempted. If I see a pretty woman and I and I have evil thoughts, I go won't go running after. If I do, Lord, you trip me and cause me to fall. Do something to hinder me. You be real sure, Lord, now that you lead my life through this day. That's how we begin to rise up to follow Jesus. I used to go to church, and the preacher would ask me to join. And I'd sit there with a rebellious heart simply because I hadn't risen up to God's way of thinking. Why, the most precious thing on earth for a sinner has been saved, if he's going again to serve God, is let someone baptize him. The reason that God wants me on this level, first of all, is that the church of God might have oneness of mind. And I'm going to read that to you as we go along. It's in this chapter you turn to, if you still there, you start looking at verse number 1. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you that, that the reason that this verse is in the Bible, uh, well, first of all, is to, is to bring us down to there and then give us an example of the wonderful life of Christ. There's much doctrine in that. We're not going to preach about that tonight. So, uh, but why we should is the oneness of thought in the church. Let's read that first. Uh, Philippians 2, beginning with verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded. That's the cause of it. Oneness. You know, listen, listen to me say this. The Godhead is a one mind. You understand that? This mind being Christ, well, the mind was in Him, was just like God's mind. He was God, and just like the Holy Spirit's mind. God the Holy Spirit. That's why, that this, the, the plan in heaven, that there wasn't nobody there to give counsel, was sufficient to save us, because the Godhead of one mind, and they never changed. Well, now, when the church, Rises upon the level of God's thinking, brother, it's a one mind. And the devil and all of his demons becomes a helpless force out there before them. But if they're not up on that, anything on earth can tear them asunder. It just don't make much difference what it is. So you remember that now, where we hear in this verse 3. I mean, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, same, same love, being of one accord, 
of one mind. This is why now that we should rise up to the level of God's thinking for us. You see it right here. Look at look at number three. Look at look at, look at it. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. The Godhead does nothing through strife or vain glory. Christ didn't do what he done for vain glory to be a show out. He done it because he loved like God loved and like the Holy Spirit loved. And so therefore, great, great, great success. Uh, esteem other better than themselves, looking not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know what James asked this church to me uh, the day before yesterday? He said, Grace Chapel sure has been good to me. You hearing that? Suppose that you had been telling James Rushing all along that you loved him, and suppose that you had sent him 85 Kidwell cars, and that's all you had done. You wouldn't have done a thing to prove nothing. Kidwell cards is good, and I'm for them. I want to get some when I get sick. But friends, if I'm in a hospital with a tremendous hospital bill, only way you're really going to prove your love is to get out in your pocketbook. He said, Great Chapel Church sure has been good to me. That they give me money more than once, and no doubt making up some more. You want me to read that verse to you again? That's the mind. I'm reading to you the mind of Christ. And I'm, I'm, into, it. I'm into it now where it's saying why we should rise upon the level of God's thinking. If I'm not up on that level, all I can do for James Rushing is, well, I just hope the best for you, brother, and I'm praying for you. But for me to pray for James Rushing without having him financially is a proof her prayer and my and my way of thinking. Her prayer. Her prayer. <clears throat> I want to read that verse again. Listen at it. It's good Samaritans in this verse. That busy preacher and deacon is not in here. Listen at it. Look not everyone on his own thanks to Christ. Listen, oh friends, tonight, listen at Mark ten forty five. Jesus said, Here's his mind. He said, I come not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give my life, give my life. That's them for many. Let this mind be in you. Rise upon God's level of thinking. God's level of thinking is all the time seeing a way to help someone else. That's all God's mind was. He seen a way to help those that he loved. And he caused him his son. Friend, there's nothing on earth more precious than that. Oh, but now what he wants me to do is to have that mind in me. If you born again, rise upon my level of thinking. Find the need and respond to it. Listen at it. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That didn't say I couldn't give any concern for the things that I own. That I'm supposed to have a concern for others 
while I'm thinking about my own. I thank God for the ministry that I know it's in that category. Uh, oh, my Strebel's got W-Morning tonight and probably got some fever. If I don't send him some money next week, I consider myself to be an imposter and a denier of the truth. If I don't send him more than $10, I consider that I've flunked the test. If I don't send more than $100, I'll never be able to look him in the face and more and say, Mike, I meant it when I loved you. I told my people one time, I said, Mike, I said, I hadn't got much money, but as long as I've got a dollar, you've got a, you've got one now. God has brought me to the lick log. I thank him for the hate for Mike. That's how you want you to do it. But God's all time testing me. And sometimes I find out that I'm not up on God's level as I should be in that test. But I'm telling you, when God tests us, and we don't meet the test, we don't meet it, we ought to, have to try to be preparing ourselves to be up there when that test comes again. Christianity is the most it's the most powerful, most helpful, most loving, most compassionate thing on the earth. And when I say Christianity, I mean it. When I, if it is Christianity, it has the mind of Christ. And it is that. If it's not that, it has no more power than a PTA party. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.